We are doing a lighthearted summer episode. Troy, you're in your yurt. Brian's in Croatia. On an unrelated topic, I love that your friend John Kelly said that this is his favorite thing that you do in your cinematic universe. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> yeah, was that mildly insulting? Well, not to us, I think. Maybe to the rest of your endeavors. Maybe. I didn't get offended. Should I have been offended? No, no, no. I just, I think that's even more reason for you to feel good about this little endeavor that we're on together. This journey. We'll see how today goes. Even though you were like really mad at me last week because you were so being you. a jerk in the threads. No, but you had a little bit of a hissy fit. I thought the, our banter back and forth last week without Alex was good. We got a backup plan. I wasn't going to bring it up, but someone wrote <laughs> they preferred it without Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they did. It, it hurts coming off of all the adoration. But you had a lot had, of praise. But, yeah, he had a lot of praise, but there's one other thing. Someone did say to me empathetically, Alex, I think it was two podcasts ago when Brian said that you had Elon derangement syndrome. This guy was like, oh my God, I was so with you when you asked him to stop because I can't hear about Elon anymore. Finally, I got someone in my corner against Alex. Well, what made the podcast better last week, you think? So I can try to adjust <laughs> and learn from it. I don't think, I I think don't you think guys it talked better. about it. It was shorter. I think you guys talked a lot about a lot of boring ad shit with a lot of acronyms. I agree. So for all that crowd, it's probably better. And this is what I responded to this <laughs> longtime listener. The ad nerds? Was that he compared it to inviting someone who hates sports onto a sports podcast. And I was like, but it's a different podcast. It's not a sports podcast. Also, nobody likes advertising, really. Oh, no. Some people do like sports. <laughs> Because it's the summer and maybe it's because I am in Croatia and 15 minutes from the seaside. I think this is a good time to, to talk about August and media and vacation. What kind of media we like to consume when we do have a time to take a break. Because this is the last week. Anyone out there is listening. This is the last week. Pack it up after this week. Even you Americans, like pack it up. Take a couple weeks, go away somewhere. If you don't, stay at home and maybe watch TV or indulge in some media. I think this is the last week before people shut it down for the rest of the summer. I think that. I don't know if you guys get that sense. So I thought we could do a summer episode, and we'll see how this goes, about the kinds of media we like to consume when we take a break. Because I, I think people like to understand that. I've got some thoughts on it. Alex, you're coming off camping, which I found very endearingly European of you. I'm in Croatia, which is chock-a-block with Germans. There's Germans everywhere. And everything is in German. And there's campsites like nobody's business around here. And they're filled to the brim with Germans. Germans love camping. How was camping? It was great. I went on the Rogue River for five days. That meant we slept under the stars and fished and we saw bears. It's actually interesting that you say endearingly European. This was the most fucking American thing I've ever done. We were rafting down canyons. We saw a bald eagle land right next to our camp while a bear was feeding on blackberries. I mean, I felt like the national anthem was about to play through the trees oh, yeah. when I was watching that. It felt like a Marlboro ad. Well, the bear's Russian, right? I mean, it's an incredible country. Oregon is also beautiful. 
It was great. No media whatsoever. I had, Oregon I is download. a strange, strange place. It is, but it's, it's also beautiful. And I downloaded lots of podcasts. podcasts yeah, because it's like partially time. like totally redneck and it's also totally liberal. It's like redneck hell and liberal hell in one state. Yeah, it's amazing. My favorite visage, visage from a drive through Oregon was driving near there's a bunch of public coastal land in Oregon that can't be owned privately it's very beautiful but I remember driving by a guy that was carrying one I did I this come up before Brian he was carrying like one of those seven feet seven foot crosses on his back in like a loincloth walking on the side of the highway oh no I don't think it came out I would remember that <laughs> was that a common occurrence like yes yeah, just this thing that happens I don't know. I mean, I was pretty That's surprised when I saw him. West Coast yeah. always has like cultists and like millennium. What are they called? The the people who think the world's going to end. Have you ever done that though? Like just gone for a walk with a huge cross on your back? Yeah, I went to Catholic school. We did that shit all the time. Maybe a metaphorical one. Anyway, Alex, that sounds great. I'm really glad you enjoyed that vacation. It was Why great. Are you feeling rested? I am feeling physically tired, mentally rested. I did listen to the episode. You guys did a good job. It's adequate. Why'd you only go a week? You're a European. You should go like six. I mean, you can only shit in a bucket for this long, guys. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. You run out of river at some point. Five days is, is quite a lot on a river in the sun in 90 degree heat. But yeah, yeah, I had loaded up on podcasts and I did listen to a couple trying to fall asleep a couple of times. It's an interesting experience listening to podcasts. So what is your media of choice for vacation? It seems like you want to go off the grid or something. Yeah, I mean, this was this type of vacation. You're obviously not at a hotel, so there's there's no breakfast included. No. I mean, it depends, right? I try on vacation to stop getting so news houndy. So I've definitely tried not to be as on top of the news and on top of the markets as I am for the rest of the year. Because I think it brings me anxiety and takes me out of the moment a little bit. So it's more about what I don't listen to. I try to catch up on a lot of things that I might have not seen just like there's some great documentaries that you can only find on YouTube that I'll just play in the background. And then I try to make a list of movies I want to watch on an airplane. Like airplane movies are a great way of catching up to things. But overall, my media diet has been trying to be as non-newsy as possible. I don't know if you guys do that. I mean, you guys seem to be, still be on top no. of everything. I've been much, much happier after not checking the news every day. No, there was a riot in Union Square. He's getting charged, the what? Twitch guy. Yeah, some Twitch slash He had YouTube like, he gave away PS5s or whatever. Video games. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Makes kids go crazy. And so they had a riot. Mm, wow. How many people That's showed up? Game. Several hundred. Oh, I thought it was more than that. Okay. I mean, you don't need a lot of people for a riot. You All right. So that happened. Point. That happened in the news. Is that what happened? That's, That's been the big news. Oh, that's yep. exciting. Trump was indicted again, Alex. I've been losing track. How many times is that now? It's uh, three. Three, right? right? Yeah, three. Yeah. Uh, wait, call me when he gets put in jail or something. I don't know. Something new happens. You know what I've been enjoying? I've been enjoying listening to these more structured podcasts where people go through research. There's one called, I forgot, If Books Could Kill or Books That Kill, where they just go through every self-help book and debunk it. And I've been listening to a lot more long form stuff and even reading long form articles, right? Which is a kind of a shame, Troy, that you're not publishing your newsletter because I'd actually read it right now. But you, you're running out of time in two weeks. That is long back form. To just digesting it via an AI. Okay. That's it. I'm going to try to make it easier for you to digest. Okay. So mostly podcasts. Troy, what's your August plan? You're in Shelter Island? 
Currently, yes. Currently. I was supposed to be in San Francisco as of Thursday, but we had, for unexpected reasons, had to cancel a meeting. I'd rather stay here, so I'm delighted to be staying. I moved between Shelter and New York, and I'm going to Europe in a couple of weeks. Where are you going? So, Will you tell us? Undisclosed Well, location? I'm going to go to London and into Ireland. I'm going to drop the kid off in Ireland for school. Oh, yeah. And then I'm going to go to Switzerland. Switzerland? Mm-hmm. What are you doing there? Are you working for like a tobacco company? They're headquartered there, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I'm doing. So anyway, I know I would say that the summer's been, there's been a bit, there was tr travel earlier in the summer, but I like being on Shelter Island in the summer. It's my favorite place in the world. One thing I've it's noticed- like summer camp for grownups. So there's like a media ecosystem, the boss class, let's be honest, like, come on. There's a group that goes to Shelter Island. There's like a Hamptons group. There's a Catskills group. What, what's the other one? There might be, they're a Hudson Valley group, but those are like VP level. How did you, how did you choose your tribe there in Shelter Island? There is, right? Am I making this up? Yeah, I mean, I think that all of the sort of out-of-town communities divide up, not unlike how Manhattan and Brooklyn divide up. So there's a Upper East Side, which is sort of like Southampton. There's the East Hampton, which is probably like sort of the Trebekah. And then you have East Hampton, which is sort of, I guess, the Upper West Side. So they all kind of line up. Shelter Island's got a... Montauk is like Williamsburg. Okay. Shelter Island is kind of mixed where you have... Maybe it's sort of like Cobble Hill or Park Slope kind of action. Fort Greene vibes. Yeah. So it's mixed. You know, it's not just kind of uniformly wealthy. There's a, all kinds of folks. Lots of creative industry people. But it's like summer camp. There's always something to do. There's always a, a gathering, a dinner, a tennis game. Any pickle? There's some pickle. People are playing pickle. I personally prefer tennis, but yeah, so it's a great place to hang out. Love it. Okay. And what is your media diet for? Do you, do you try to like do something differently in August or not? You're just like... I try to read a couple of books every summer. The one that maybe ties together this thread is reading this book called Big Swiss by Jen Began, and it's kind of a dark comedy that takes place in Hudson Valley, kind of like about the sex lives of bohemians in the Hudson Valley. And the narrator, is, his name is Greta, and she's a transcriber for a sex therapist. And so she'll sit in a cafe and hear the voices of people whose notes she's transcribing and ends up meeting someone. And that's the sort of backbone of the story. But so, yeah, that kind of light, funny summer fiction gets me going. But I like watching old movies in the summer that have kind of low mental investment. So like right now Caddyshack? I'm on a little bit of, yeah, I watched Caddyshack this summer. Watch old movies with the kids. We're watching John Hughes movies right now. We'd watch Ooh, Breakfast those don't Club hold yesterday. Up at all. Those nope. don't. Oh, I love them. Up. Watch Pretty in Pink yesterday. Maybe. I mean, do. that doesn't hold up. Sixteen Candles is pretty problematic. Oh my God, there's <laughs> really Christ. problematic. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. a thing. I was like, what? I think I was sinking into the couch when I was watching that. Well, a lot of those that was us 90s, back then. Eighties, nineties. Pretty in Pink has sexual assault in it. I mean. Really bad. I mean, quaint, quaint sexual assault. <laughs> that seems. Yeah, like we've been pitch. doing others too. Like you do, like a shark movie thing where you watch like a piece of shit, like Meg versus Jaws. We've been doing a lot of summer action movies, mm. going, getting ready for Mission Impossible, doing those, or rewatching the Indiana Jones, or God help me, watching a John Wick movie. Wait, you, you know? don't like John yeah. Wick movies? 
The last one was just unbelievably stupid, but yes. I think that's the point. It crossed the line. I know it's the point, but like when they're falling downstairs and getting back up for like literally a half an hour, it's like, stop, just move on. There's nothing else other than you kicking the shit out of somebody. It's like boring. So I love them. Yeah. I did enjoy Breakfast Club yesterday. It's kind of like a one room play. Hadn't seen it in a long time. Yeah, Breakfast Club is a good movie. Actually, no, that actually has a sexual song in it too. <laughs> I'm fond of Molly Molly Ringwald, to be honest. I like. Oh, her. she's great. I mean, the cast. She great. came to the Silicon Alley Reporter like third birthday party or fourth birthday party. I never could understand it. We never had another one because it went out of business. But it's very strange that she came. I remember that. Ducky did not come. Ducky, poor Ducky. Yeah, Ducky in the end does okay. Right? He does. Yeah. I've been getting into podcasts because it's like you can be by the pool or at the beach and you can still listen to it. I'm trying not to listen to news podcasts to Alex's point. Since I'm in the Balkans and I'm going to be here for the rest of the month, I decided to refresh my history of the region. So I'm listening to this. Do you ever listen to history podcasts? Either of you? No? Uh, I have done. Yeah. Well, I have I'm, a couple in my list. The history of Yugoslavia. I recommend it. It's a little confusing. I know a lot of it, but there was this crazy story in there about Montenegro. So Montenegro always gets forgotten and the guy makes it, it's episode 5.5. It doesn't deserve like an entire episode, which I thought was pretty insulting to the Montenegrins who are massive, by the way. They're the biggest people of the Balkans, mountain people. So they had this crazy story back in the late 18th century, I wanted to tell you about. So this guy shows up in Montenegro. It's just a bunch of clans like around Black Mountain. That's Montenegro, right? And it's not even like a polity or anything. And he's like, I am Peter, Peter the Third, or something like this, the Tsar of Russia. And everyone's like, no. And he's like, no, I am. And they're like, okay. And he became the ruler. And he was not the Tsar of Russia because Peter had died five years earlier, but there was no internet in like 1769. So nobody knew this. And it turned out, this is like the ultimate fake it till you make it. It turned out he was actually really good at like the job. Catherine the Great, who was ruling Russia, got wind of this. And she was like, I got to send a delegation to tell them that this guy is not who he says he is. And the delegation gets there and they tell the Montenegrins and the Montenegrin clan people were like, that's pretty screwed up. But they're like, but this guy's pretty good at the job. So we're just going to make him take a different name. And then he went on and like, on the one hand, he was a total fraud but he was one of the best leaders that they had. Isn't that incredible? I'm like, why would I never heard of this guy? And so he took the name of, I'm not going to say it in Serbian, but Stephen the Short. That was what he was known as. It's funny how uh, just being shameless and having a ton of confidence can get you places. (laughs) No, I know. It's my motto. (laughs) Like we like give a lot of shit to these entrepreneurs who, or I do, who like fool the VCs. I mean, look what this guy did and it totally worked for him. Although he did step on a landmine. I didn't know they had landmines then. And he lost his legs. And for the rest of his life, he was carried around in a chair by people. I mean, that's- Until he was eventually poisoned by one of his attendants. The Ottomans bribed one of his attendants to poison him to death. Well, since we're recommending podcasts on con men, I recommend Cautionary Tales with Tim Hartford. There's an episode specifically called The Scientist and the Swindler, where this very established scientist got swindled into believing that he was in a long-distance relationship with a supermodel. And of course, there was you know, a suitcase traded and there were drugs in it. He has Maria Konnikova on, who was a professional poker player and writes these great nonfiction books, mostly about the mind. And she's written them about con men and, and strong men and the allure of these people, right? And I think there is a lot of that in tech and media where people just 
through sheer confidence, become incredibly actually good leaders. Because part of being a good leader sometimes means you, you're making decisions without really thinking about the repercussions and by being pretty selfish in your goals. But it ends up building these incredible companies. Like Steve Jobs probably shares a lot of traits with some of these con men that they talk about. What do you think? Yeah. The guy who was uh, supposed to be Troy rolling, just grown, sorry. Cooper's still on Steven. The guy who was supposed Troy, to just, be... It feels like every time we say something like that, we're insulting his Shelter Island friends. We're, we're not targeting anyone, Troy. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, thanks for that. No, you never hear about the success cases of these frauds. This guy put in place like all these administrative reforms and stuff. He did a lot of good, even though he wasn't who nice. he said he was. And we have no idea who he was in history. Well, Troy, what do you want to say? <laughs> Nothing. I think it's a nice anecdote. I, I'm glad that we were able to pull that little historical anecdote out and then connect it to... I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, related is, do you guys, are you watching The Black Mirror this summer? That's on Netflix. You should be able to get that in Serbia, right? No, no, I can't. They block no, that stuff. I don't, I don't want the VPN. Anytime I sign up for a VPN, I have it for like 18 months and they keep hitting my credit card and it's like impossible to find the cancel button. I don't know if you need a VPN because it's Netflix, but anyway, there's a good conversation I with do. the creator of Black Mirror. His name's Charlie Brooker on Peter Kafka's podcast this week, Recode Media. And I gave you an entire backstory about this Stephen the Short. Well, I mean, it's just Black Mirror is probably the most interesting show on TV right now. Or one of them. I mean, I think it was. The season's good. Charlie Broker used to have a recurring, I think, show on TV where he would talk about the media, and he was a really great media commentator. And these, the early seasons were really good. I think the later seasons, including this one, are pretty nihilistic and a little hit and miss for me. And it's, I think, maybe a sign that it's becoming harder and harder to be a futurist commentator on technology with the way technology is trending. I think a lot of the episodes this season have felt, I don't know, a little irrelevant or just mean-spirited and didn't really comment on much, I felt. But I get that it's hard to make compelling television that talks about our future in 2023 because we're kind of living in a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, I agree. One podcast I would recommend is the Sam Harris podcast. He has a great episode with Mark Andreessen, and he challenges a lot of Andreessen's assumptions in his, you know, AI is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, which is pretty much the same thing he said about crypto. And he doesn't talk about that anymore, weirdly. And it's not a free podcast. He does that thing where the podcast cuts off about midway. Yeah, it cuts off. We should do yeah. that right before a good problem. Yeah, let's just fade, ad lib fade right in the middle. Although actually on that topic, I have a great sales lead, Troy. Great, great. sales lead for, for PVA. And guess what, Alex? In the sales call that I had, the person, hopefully soon to be a partner, was very impressed with my native conversational ad unit for the Kirk Cafe. You know what, Brian? I was impressed with it. <laughs> I think you might have turned me around because it was yeah. content. It was relevant to the audience. And it played off our dynamics. So if you can make that magic happen again, then I'm all for it. It's perfect you know? for that. It's perfect. This first-party data platform is going... No, it's not a first-party data platform. <laughs> Look, I think at this stage, I'd even say yes to Tabula. What would be the Tabula version of... Can we bleep of that out? I'm talking about that. I, I don't know what at this stage means. This stage of... You've been being down or down, us needing money for down. the podcast. Like what, no, no, what is this? Are you gambling while camping? I mean, are things tough over there? You know, summer cost me a lot of money. We're going to have to start making this thing pay a little bit to cover the costs. 
You know, I think back to the summer theme, I feel like we're dancing all over a bit here, but really what it occurs to me, there's a feeling that we're all looking for in the summer. And it's kind of like this summer fantasy where time stands still and here, you know, you have the romance of a vintage car and reading about things other than current events and not worrying about time and kind of this nostalgia of an old movie. And you see all the New Yorkers that come out here longing for some type of suburban simplicity, but they're seemingly unable to shed it all. So you get massive conspicuous consumption, restaurant lineups, places like the Surf Lodge and Sunset Hotel on Shelter Island fill up with revelers. But the feeling I like best is when you can find that time in summer where you just feel like the world stopped. And if you can get that either through a book or podcast, an old movie, or just driving your vintage car down the road, then that's what you really want. That's why I like to come to Europe. I mean, because my wife's European, so she likes to come to Europe every summer. Obviously, Europe, going to Europe is like normal. It's not like you have a steamer trunk or something. There's no boat. But I don't know. You see different like ways of living, and particularly in places like Croatia. I was in Serbia last week. I just like noticed some of the things in Serbia, how much more common it is for people not to be looking at their phones all the time. Now, I don't know if it's because data is more expensive there, but like people are not looking at their phones constantly. It's regular people reading like Danas or Politica, like in the cafe and not looking at their phones nonstop. And maybe this is just me like wanting to see that and stuff. Particularly here, I'm in this town village of Dracovats. I like that part of summer. I like that point that it is in some ways like a fantasy that we all want some simpler way of existence that we don't necessarily have. That's what I actually liked about Miami when I lived there. Because I used to go to this place that would play Endless Summer on loop. And I was like, that's basically was my existence there. It was like Endless Summer. Yeah, that's a great feeling. And then I was cruelly yanked out of it. But that's okay. What other summer media are we talking about? I like that. It's funny. I Even though I'm trying to stay out of the news, I'm listening to a lot more tech podcasts. I was listening to that Kostla one with Kara Swisher. It was actually a pretty good interview. And he has this very ambitious vision for the future of AI and our jobs disappearing and the need for just a completely refactoring of our economy. It's always interesting to hear that. I get a sense that we are going to hit September and that AI stuff is actually going to pick back up. I think we had a little bit of a summer break from it because I feel that a lot of product are going to be released around it. And we actually haven't felt the impact yet of the jobs that are going to be replaced by AI, but I expect fully that like the coming 12 months are going to be interesting. It feels a little bit like to people who don't track this on a daily basis and f- folks that I talk to on vacation, it feels like, well, that AI stuff came and went like crypto did. And I think it's just dormant in the public eye right now, but it's going to make a pretty big comeback starting September. And we're going to see a lot of very interesting stuff with custom data sets. So I've been trying to catch up as much as possible on that stuff, trying to get a sense of how people imagine the future, because it'll also impact how I I decide to invest my time. But I expect we'll be talking a lot about it. Yeah. Do you guys feel there's been a little bit of a break from it this summer? Yeah, there's been a break. Which was nice. I think a lot of it is just because like you're still a lot in like it can, it will, and it hasn't fully impacted even like the Hollywood strike with bringing up the specter of AI and the specter of AI is just is looming there. I've noticed that too, Alex. And I think part of it was just sort of tail end of a hype cycle. Part of it is summer. 
part of it is all the generative AI stuff around image manipulation and, and chat GPT was so stunning at first that I think it, it just created a kind of tidal wave of, of enthusiasm and excitement and speculation. And now we've got those and clearly there's a lot of enablement kind of AI work happening inside of all kinds of applications. But I suspect that what will get the next wave going will be seeing some innovation around new consumer products with AI. Yeah. Whether those are task-based toolkits that help you automate specific tasks or something that makes the headlines, frankly, as something that's going to really affect employment. I think there's also a lag in consumer adoption. My note-taking tool of choice is called reflect.app, and I've been taking a lot of daily notes trying to do some some journaling. And I was planning a trip and I'm taking to Seattle and I was putting stuff into the notes. And then I remember they added an AI feature. You know, I received a newsletter, an update via email. It's been a few weeks and I remember that I actually hadn't really used it. So I tried the AI feature to tag everything that I was typing with links, give it a little blurb and order it alphabetically. And it just fucking did it. And I realized that even though I'm really in it, I didn't have that muscle memory to use AI to complete tasks for me. And I think there's, on top of the new businesses that are coming, I think there's kind of a lagging consumer behavior of remembering to use these things. It's a little bit like features that might be released on the iPhone that take a couple of cycles to start being used. Like people using Siri, it took a little bit of time. Yeah, you have to change how you work, and that takes time. That does There's take one that time. I'm interested in that you should check out, Alex, called Rewind. And Rewind. what Rewind does is it it's connected to Safari, which bugs me a bit because I don't use Safari. But it's kind of like AI-driven memory. And it's also connected to your screenshots in your photos album on your phone. Jesus, that's so terrifying. anything that you screenshot becomes just a way to take kind of a note about something. So it reads the text in those screens. It can identify what's in images, obviously. And it becomes, if you start, like I screenshot tons of things, articles, all kinds of stuff. If there's a sentence in it or whatever, and it becomes a way to look back at that stuff and everything that you've browsed on Safari hmm. in kind of a timeline feature, all driven by AI. It's called Rewind. It's pretty cool. But, you know, all my stuff's jacked into Chrome, so you got to change your browser behavior in that. Given and that, that takes time. is a pain in the butt. I think that the technology is more powerful today than how people use it. I think there's going to be interfaces that are built to things that are going to make sense to people. But I do feel like there's been a lot of technology advances in summer that we haven't really talked about. And September should be should be exciting. So I've been trying to catch up on a lot of that, including all that superconductor shit that's been going on. So let's hope that works out. Korean paper on room temperature superconductors, which could change the world. So I don't understand yeah, that. Can you explain exciting. why that's important? Well... Any exchange in, you know, electrical current, and I'm not a scientist, so I'm going to try to like It's a explain. podcast, go for it. Yeah, okay, all right. Any exchange in electrical current creates heat and there's a loss in energy. So that's why your, your phone or your computer overheats if it's doing something very taxing. That's why computers have fans in it. That's why over distance current deteriorates because it keeps hitting basically things that are kind of blocking the conductivity. A superconductor creates near perfect transmission. So there is no overheating and there's no loss of current, which means that you could technically create much faster computers that do not overheat, transfer electricity without loss. And it would revolutionize everything from power to computing to things that we can't even imagine. So it's been kind of the holy grail 
of material sciences for a long time. And we have superconductors. The problem is they need to be at very, very cold temperatures, which makes them completely unusable. And so the idea of a room temperature one means that you could build technically a chip with it that never overheats and can transfer a ton more data and no, 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 no. Uh, can, you can last a lot longer. Floating cars, yeah. floating trains. Yes. And it, supersonic you can also make, ground transportation. Right. Completely yeah, that sounds up, tangible. Completely change energy usage. Right. It's a big deal. But in what's called L what's it called? L J ninety nine. The names yeah. of the, the two like the two okay, initials of the it? guys and they I think released the original paper in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's it could just be oh. monkey business, so we'll see. Exactly. It could be it could be nothing. But you know, anything from this to more developments in AI, more tools built and a lot of advancements in medical and I I feel this doesn't get any traction in summer. People don't want to read about boring nerd shit. So meanwhile, the Reddit forums are blowing up. Well, that sounds a lot more interesting than AI, to be honest with you. I mean, all the AI stuff is is less interesting to me than like the hard science stuff and like hard tech. I mean, a lot of the AI stuff, at least when it's being discussed, is about efficiency and it's about replacing people. At best, it's about augmenting people. And it's about furthering our alienation from what I perceive as reality. I mean, one of the reasons that I like summer and vacation and stuff like this is going to somewhere in Europe and eating like real vegetables that aren't GMO. I don't even want to go to the restaurants. I just want to eat like real butter and like real eggs. Like, I can't believe you moved to the United States with the butter and eggs available here in Europe. Technology itself has been very alienating, and the social media was a disaster, alienated us from each other. And I don't understand why AI won't go down the same path. So this stuff sounds to me like I'm in, much more interesting. I get you. I mean, I had that with my wife yesterday. I was showing her what ChatGPT helped me do with our trip to Seattle, and she was like, all right, you, you're typing more stuff into your computer while I'm actually doing real research here. And I'm like, I just generated a list of like 27 things we could do that are off the beaten path, right? That would have taken us hours. And I wonder, I think there's a couple of things. One, I think the stories told about AI are just pure doomerism or pure just rose-tinted glasses. This is going to augment all of us. And I think the story we're telling in the media is not really that interesting. And it, maybe it's turning people off, but it is truly incredible. And it is truly exciting. And then there's also this general like doomerism around tech, like the world is going towards a worse place. And climate change is probably reinforcing that. But overall, the advancements in science over the last five years in medicine through the pandemic are actually incredible. This just all got lost. And the fact that people are generally really pessimistic about things is a little sad and disappointing. I think the media doesn't do a good job of telling those stories in a way that feels a little bit more exciting. And maybe it's just because, you know, the climate crisis is looming over everything and we fucking hate social media and the internet sucks. You know, I'm the first one to go down that path. Oh, I mean, I guess I get that. But at the same time, look, everything is storytelling at the end of the day. If you want to talk about the media, the tech industry tells its own stories, right? I mean, Mark Andreessen's out there telling as many stories as he wants. I mean, these are stories. That's all they are. Just the same way as, quote unquote, the media tells their stories. When I listen to, for instance, this podcast with Sam Harris, I don't find his stories very compelling. I really don't. Like the stuff he's talking about, I'm like, really? We're going to risk humanity for this? That seems strange. And when you're talking about what this can do, which I didn't understand, I'm like, yeah, this sounds amazing. 
this sounds like something that we'd really, really want. The idea that you can come up with a list of 27, like off the beat. Okay, great. Is that really worth all of this? I don't know. Maybe I kind of like all of what that's not the trade off I'm talking about. This generalized intelligence is the one that people are worried about. That's the one that's still very hypothetical. The fact that computers just have an interface now that allows us to access content that already exists, that we've created in a way that is so much more meaningful, is really powerful. I do think there's like a lot of interesting stuff that we can do with it. And I think media is turning people off to it. And media itself is being turned off, right? I mean, even even tech podcasts, when talking about the new OnePlus phone or whatever, more than they talk about AI because hardware is more fun to talk about. Could be. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I just get a sense that the opinion of the future is pretty negative right about now. And at the same time, all these tech companies are doing great. That they are. You see those meta results and Google results? You were right, Troy. Advertising is doing great. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I heard you talk about chickens last week. I have chickens. They're great. Don't rent a fucking chicken. Why not? That's like the most tax on the rich thing I've ever heard. You took care of your chickens while you were away. Dude, if you're just out here for a couple months, you want to rent a chicken. No, just go find somebody who has chickens and get those. Can you get those like orange Eggs. yolks? Yeah, sure. Oh my God. I, I would rent a chicken. <laughs> I don't have to move to Europe, that means. Rentthechicken.com. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do a business where people just get puppies at the perfect age where they're cute and then when they're done with it, they pick them up and you don't ask any questions. I mean, I think that's not a bad idea, but the chicken is a little bit of a different use case if you're going back to an apartment on the Upper West Side. You just want the yeah. chickens for, but someone's going to take the chickens. Like if they don't produce eggs, you eat them. So I don't think that's the same as a puppy. You're not going to eat the puppy. I mean, speak for yourself. It's true. Did you hear about this guy that was stuck on a boat for 40 days with his dog? He didn't eat his dog. So there you go. What do you eat? Fish. I'd rather eat fish than my dog too. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was struggling and I think he has to feed both him and the dog, but the dog was keeping him company. And actually the moral support was more important than the Yeah, morale is, important. morale is important. I'm sure he gave the dog just enough though. You think so? I mean, you yeah. kind of... <laughs> Did you see, speaking of summer media products that... New York Times has a new game called Flashback, the weekly history quiz, where you have to order world events on a timeline, like slot them in at the right date. That's genius. You get this timeline from 300 years ago to the present, and they mm -hmm. just start giving you things that happened, and you got to kind of put them in the right order. These products, I think, are really important, really great. I think the genius there is that it's these are like great retention products more than yeah have they're habitual yeah they're habitual exactly you joined the New York Times because you turned forty and you say I'm a big boy now I'm gonna start reading the New York Times three weeks in you realize that you don't need it anymore but you're still kind of addicted to the games so you keep paying for it smart. I don't know what you don't need it anymore I think you probably still need it but well, I think you don't read it anymore I think there's an alert to subscribing to the New York Times that doesn't. I would love to see their numbers around retention. I'm pretty sure they were not great. Oh, it's part of my daily. Yeah, yeah but you're a very specific type of person, Troy. The games expand their addressable market at the end of the day. I think they're good for retention, but their possible market is capped out if it's just a news product. And if you look at the results, their non-news products are, are going to be bigger than advertising soon. Advertising is going in the wrong direction for them. Their other line is now catching up to their advertising line, which I think says a lot about the current state of the ad market when you have Google and Facebook, I won't call them by those stupid names, blowing the doors off their quarters. 
Will they give up on those names, by the way? I mean, but they're probably the only business that can make money like that. Who else has got that scale? I do think that gaming is a great retention product because I'm, I'm not sure anybody's paying for Wordle. But it's a little bit, isn't it a little bit like how computers got into the home? People bought it under the guise of it being a work and study machine, but it ended up playing more video games on it. We want to make our purchases feel like they're smart and considered, but we actually just want to entertain ourselves. Yeah, well, I mean, the internet was supposed to be a great productivity tool and productivity hasn't gone up because it's a great way to waste time. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, Troy, do you want to talk about a good product? Well, I do. Thank you for asking and giving me a chance to speak today. I appreciate the platform. Wait, you didn't get enough airtime? No, I never said that. (laughs) Never said that. I just want to inject some liveliness into this session. The Uh one thing I I want to bring it back to media for a sec for no reason other than just to scratch the itch. I was thinking that what we don't know now is where the media models of the future are going to yield to any kind of skilled business and reliable profits other than like micromedia businesses like yours, Brian, or ones that are slightly bigger. And all of the pointers suggest that you have to have, you have to trap someone in a platform, which is just an age old media story means that you have to find distribution lock in or barriers that prevent someone from getting your content or media product elsewhere or you not being able to extract premiums out of it. So what we're looking for in media, I think, is new platforms that emerge that lock in a consumer where you can layer in media products that aren't subject to the kind of hyper-competitive forces that define the internet, which is anybody can create anything and attention's massively fragmented and nobody can lock in consumers. So the question for the next round will be, where do those opportunities exist, right? Like cable trapped us in a system. Facebook traps you in a sort of social networking system. TikTok traps you in a system of delivery of short form video. And the owners of those platforms are the ones that take all the money because there's too many content creators inside of them that have to each take a small slice of the spoils. So I think that as we start to look in like post-summer at like, where are the next defensible businesses in digital media? You got to find places where someone's caught inside of a, a routine or a system that they, where they can't get any information elsewhere. Mm. It's a tough one, right? Because digital media means you can kind of, it's just infinitely malleable in ways that allow you to create products for people. So basically what streaming did is broke the lock-in of the system, the cable system in particular, and taught people that rather than a timeline, that their entertainment choices could be satisfied by an enormous library. And then the sort of the competitive games ensued on the back of that, which is like create as much content as possible to try to get someone to sign up for your bundle or not your bundle, you're just your, your service. I think it'll be real interesting to see where these sort of little oligopolies will appear next. And I think they will somewhere, but it's not clear where anybody has distribution protection. And I know that that's maybe a little bit kind of wonky for this lighthearted summer podcast, but. That's what I was thinking while you guys were going on about podcasts. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Do you have a comment on that, please? I don't know. It's so vague. I don't know. Okay. Sure. Let's cut that then. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. Roach Motel model. That's what I was thinking. That. And what else was I thinking? You asked about a good product. I saw something today that I liked. There was a company called Backdrop Paint that does paints and wall coverings and do it in a way that's kind of different. You ever seen this company, Backdrop Paint? No. They just did a collaboration with Porsche where you can buy vintage Porsche colors for your walls. 
which wow. I thought was a great lockup. I have not used the product, but I thought that was a fun way to market it. Other than that, I have nothing else in the good product segment for you today. I thought was hoping that you would bring something, Brian, from your European leg. My European leg? I like handball. I watched some <laughs> Croatia versus Portugal handball, just to bring it back to the summer media theme. I'd like to watch local TV to understand the popular culture. There's not a lot on Croatian TV. There's There was Patton. I haven't watched Patton in probably forever. Didn't want to watch Patton. Some talk shows, political talk shows, I think. But there was handball. I'm surprised handball is not like more popular in the United States. It's very popular in certain parts of Europe. Usually the parts that are into volleyball, I find. Soccer is going to have to be a little bit more popular before handball gets more popular. Handball is a little bit of an awkward sport to look at, no? It's very unclear. At least it was to me, like watching it, because it's not like basketball where you have to dribble all the time. You just, you can take a few steps, but then you have to bounce the ball. It's a lot of arm waving. Oh, people were into it. So I don't know. Is that. <laughs> that's Alex breakdown on handball it's a lot of arm waving <laughs> I mean I don't know just watch handball highlights it's a lot of arm waving and then the balls in the goal and it's like football like soccer is a lot of leg kicking no but I think some yeah. sports have a velocity to them that makes them better to watch on television versus others I don't think any sport is superior to any other. I just feel some sports make better media products. You know a great action movie allows you to understand the space. So if you want a summer movie, what Mad Max Fury wrote, and that there's all this chaos happening, but you understand the space, you see where the heroes are, what's going to happen, and you get pulled into it. And I think some sports are great at doing that. I think basketball is great at doing that. I think rugby and soccer are great at doing that. Are you talking about sports? Yeah. And I think sports like handball will never be really great because there's so many micro movements that happen. It's just a hard thing to get engaged with on TV. Like a great one, for example, is curling. Curling is great to watch because it's easy to understand what's happening and it it's translates the sport to of my screen. people, Alex. Now you're it speaking is, my it language. Is. Yeah, like throw a rock on ice. That sounds about right. Brian, if you ever wanted Alex to kind of pipe up and get into those adding some kind of sports angle to the podcast, you now know what that's going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about we're going to talk about curling, all the major sports, yeah. rugby. Yeah rugby we're gonna talk about rugby listen football is the greatest spectator sport on tv of all time american football. american football football is the greatest advertising placement product of all time it's a sports made to put ads between the action that's true. why you like it it's true that's why there's so much money in it yeah the first time i ever saw it there was ads for americhki football in serbia so it is globalizing yeah it's bit popular. by bit I mean, American culture still exports really well, guys. So how would you title this episode, Brian? <laughs> I don't know. Summer media episode. Shooting the shit. I don't really know what we did here today. Put a bow on it, Brian. Well, it's about like media in the summer. Doing the same thing in August is dumb. I think it's good to have an episode where you just talk about the kinds of media you want to consume. I mean, we're testing this out. It's a new format. Oh, yeah. Great. Wow. Wow, there's so much judgment in that little soundbite there. Experimental podcast. Experimental. Okay.